0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church podcast. I'm going to talk to you today about obeying God. I mean, and and somebody's going to go, "Wow, you gave us self-control last week. Could you let up on us a little bit?" But if we're going to really be in a pathway to growth, if we're going to allow, as we talked about this last several weeks, the fruit of the Spirit. To be a part of our lives, not the fruit of the flesh, the fruit of the spirit. Then we have to be people of obedience. Um, the scripture says to obey is better than sacrifice. You know, you know why? Because nothing feels as good as obedience. We're we're grateful for sacrifice for repentance, aren't we? The sacrifice of Jesus Uh, in the Old Testament. They would come and they would bring animals and sacrifice to God when they disobeyed. And that's why the Lord said, to obey is better than sacrifice. In other words, I'd rather have you say yes to me than no to me and then tell me you're sorry later. Nothing. Listen, nothing feels as good as obedience. When you put your head on the pillow at night and you say, Lord, I I, I did that today. Or, Lord, you put that person across my path, and I shared my faith with them, or I prayed with them. Oh, man, it feels good. Uh, obedience is better than regret. And Anybody know about that? I, I'm sure no one's ever disobeyed in here, but I have a few times, so let me, let me on your behalf, let me say it feels really good to obey. We're going to talk about obeying, not, not the church, not even the speed limit, though you should... We're going to talk about obeying the B-I-B-L-E, the, the Bible. That's the book for me. I stand alone in the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Uh, let me read something from my dear friend, Rick Warren. We're, we're tight, me and Rick. I'm just kidding. I had lunch with him once, but uh, anyway. you know. Next to the Bible, he sold the most books ever. You know what? Purpose Driven Life has sold more than any other book in history except for the Bible. And so Rick talks about the Bible. He says, uh, quoting 2 Timothy 3.16 New Living Translation, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. If I discover truth from the Bible, how do I know that the Bible is true? Well, there's a world of objective evidence, both external and internal, that says the Bible is true. External evidence proves the Bible is a historical book that you can trust. There are 5,366 copies of the Bible dating from the time it was written to just 70 years afterward. The fact dispels the urban legend that the Bible was changed as it passed through generations and languages external evidence also includes archaeological discoveries. For example, historians used to say that Solomon couldn't have had the horses the Bible says he had because no one had horses at that time. But then thousands of horse stables were found in archaeological digs dating back to Solomon's day. There's also an internal evidence that the Bible itself in a court of law, a prosecutor with two or three eyewitness accounts has a good chance of making his case. The Bible is filled with eyewitness accounts. Moses was there when the Red Sea was split. Joshua was there when Jericho fell. The disciples saw the resurrected Jesus and actually walked with him and ate with him. The internal evidence of the Bible also includes the fact that it tells one story with consistency. Though it was written over 1,500 years on three different continents by 40 different authors from every walk of life. No human being could account for that. It's an amazing example of God's ability. The Bible says, in the Message Bible, 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17, there's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way Through the word, we are put together and shaped for the task that God has for us. Don't ever think that spiritual growth is optional or marginal in a Christian life. All of us need to keep growing. Once we come to know Jesus and we say, okay, Lord, I will believe in you, we're also saying this, and we may not recognize it, but I've come to salvation I'm also going to follow you. Jesus said that phrase often, come and follow me. Not just like be my shadow, walk where I walk, but but do the things that I do. Say the things that I say. And here's what I know about obedience in our culture. We don't want people to tell us what to do. We don't like when somebody gets up in our business We don't like when somebody says, hey, you're not supposed to be like that. You're not supposed to act like that. You're not supposed to speak like that. I mean, people don't like that because we want to be independent for the most part. And so when somebody, you know, stands up and says, I'm sorry, we're going to live based on the scriptures, but somebody says, well, yeah, but, but come on, get with the times. Well, this is timeless. And this is the same book that we believe that, that the communion that we just experienced, or the worship that we experienced, or even this gathering, this is the same book that tells us to do those things. So if you're going to believe some of it, you're going to have a problem with the rest of it. If you're going to say, okay, Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my soul to keep, or something like that. It's not even in the Bible, by the way, but some little prayer. Uh, Bless my day, God. Help me to be successful, Lord. You know, help my, my, my investments to all make big money, God, or, or help my, my kids to be really good, Lord, and not rebel. And, and, and just, you know, help me find, if, I, if you're single, the right mate, and if you're married, help us stay married and be really good and be faithful. And, and, but we're out the best of the book. Um, it's a challenge to us. It shapes us. I remember uh the story of the little boy who went to his grandmother's house and she had one of those coffee table Bibles. Has anybody ever been around those big ones? I mean, the big one with the kind of the golden edges on the page. And uh and and his mom was in the kitchen helping grandma make lunch, and he opens up to the middle of the book, and grandma had pressed some leaves in there and he yeah, had one really large leaf, and he shouts out, Mom, you got to come see this. And what do you have there? She goes, I found Adam's underwear. <laughs> and uh, remember God made, anyway, you, you, you got it, okay, you know. And it reminds me of the rebellion. I'm going to say it later, and I probably won't get through the whole sermon. That's okay, I wrote it so we can just put it away. But, but I have to tell you this, um, Adam and Eve weren't just disobedient. Disobedience was the byproduct of a lack of trust. They did not trust God. When God said you can eat of every tree in the garden, but just not one, they didn't trust what he said. And so when someone counter to God comes in, the serpent, and he says, Well, did God really say that? He's not just saying, Is that really, did you really hear God? What he's saying is, Does God know what he's talking about? Now, think about that. Does God, does God really know what he's talking about? Oh, oh, oh I, don't, I don't know. You know, that was, that was Adam after Eve came. Hey, I met this serpent. And, 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 and he spoke everything counter to what God told us. I think this is a better way to live. And so they eat of the, the tree, and the result was disobedience, and sin and sadness, and death. But it all started, hear this, with a distrust. I don't trust God. So I brought some paint this morning. I was going to have a big old thing of drywall here and paint. And then they said, oh no, we've seen you paint, pastor. It's going to be a mess. And the carpet can't handle it. So uh, anybody ever paint here? Anybody paint a wall? Good, good. Who hires painters? And uh, Good. You're real smart. And uh, Yeah. So you, you go to the store and you, you get things like this, swatches. And um, uh, I love blue and orange because they're complementary, right? And, uh, you know, this an accent wall. Come on. Come on. I know stuff, design. And, and here's, a cool, here's a cool green. And there are 189 shades of gray. Did you know that? And there's grays that have lavender and there's grays that have black and there's grays that have red. And there's grays, you look at gray and it's green. And usually you find out when. Oh, oh yeah. After you apply it. Application. It's right here. I'm not making this up. Preparation and prime. It was properly prepared and clean, coated, and uncoated. Uh, interior, exterior surfaces, countersink, nail heads, blah 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 blah. Fill and smooth. Right? How to do the spackle tells you all right here. The next step, apply. Apply this product. Apply this product. Apply this product. Now, you, you can have the B-I-B-L-E. We'll call it the can of paint. You, you, can, you, can, you can have the, the tray. You can have the roller. Boy, this is a cheap one. This, and this is a brush, the kind that you know what's going to happen with this, right? The little hairs are going to stick to the paint on the wall. Anybody? Come on. Come on. But see, if you have this can in your garage, in your shed, in the trunk of your car, not suggested, and if you have these swatches, you can tell everybody in the world, look, well, we picked out this, this blue and this orange accent wall, and it's going to look really cool in our house. We've had it for five years. We still think this is good. We've never opened it. I mean, they put the formula in here, and they, 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 they shook it up really good on that machine, and we have it, and... We have the stuff, and we got the drop cloth, and we're ready to go. But until you apply it, you don't know. You know how many people know about Jesus? You know how many people know about Christianity? You know how many people know about the Bible? I have a friend that took the Bible as literature in a secular college. And here's what he tells me. I, 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 I took the Bible as literature. I, I know all about it. Or someone else. I studied comparative religions. I, I studied Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, Buddhist, Bahai faith, Christianity, you know, Islam. I studied. I studied uh, Ju- Judaism. I, I, I know all there is. I, I know. I know. I know. But until you open, and until you apply, until you take the word and have it go from there to here, and then to now, and have it live out to the fabric. of of your life. You you will simply be someone who has the goods, but isn't living out the goods that you have. You have the stuff, but you're you're not living it out. See, man's problem with God began not simply with disobedience, but when man decided not to trust God. Romans 8.31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, Come on. Who can be against us? The minute you stop believing that God is for you is the minute that you start to veer off from the playbook, the Bible. The the minute you start believing that because of crisis or loss or trouble in your life that God's not for you will be the minute, I'm just going to tell you this, that you start justifying the things that you do. So I met with a gentleman. He allowed me to share his story with you. Um, I won't go into all the details, except he was very unfaithful to his wife. And I asked him this question, where did it start? And he goes, "Um, the unfaithful part? No, no, I don't want to know about that. When did, when did it start? He, and he, he said these words to me. I mean, these are profound words. It started when I reasoned that I deserved more than my wife would provide for me. Good morning. Come on. I want to help you grow. Now, I, of course, I, I, I picked a pretty big subject. So let's, how about we do, do something else? I cheated on my test when I decided that I should have that position or that place or that grade, or I should be given that job. And I cheated because I reasoned within myself that I deserved it." Listen, Adam and Eve fell into sin because they didn't trust God. People cheat because they don't trust God. People are unfaithful because they don't trust God. People lie on their taxes because they don't trust God. People take shortcuts and cut corners because they don't trust God. And somebody going, oh, gee, he's really preaching at us today. I go, Absolutely. Because I, I know in my own life, when I get this word into me and it's in my head and my heart, I know how, how good it feels to be obedient. And I struggle with stuff that you struggle with because we're all human beings. But. We have to stop and say, God, you are for me, and I'm going to trust you no matter what comes my way. It's interesting to note that when people start talking about God and his do's and his don'ts, most everyone goes to the Ten Commandments. Um, I had a talk with a gentleman not too long ago, doesn't really believe in God, doesn't really believe in church, and his first thing was, you guys have these Ten Commandments, there's no way on earth. I would allow my life to be subject to those things. I go, what don't you like about Thou Shalt Not Kill? That, that's a good rebuttal next time, you know. You ever had anybody lie to you? Yeah. How's it feel? Not good. Well, it's Thou Shalt Not Lie. Hmm. And then God. God has some like like this one. Don't don't have any other gods before me because he knows that if you worship any other God, it's not gonna go well for you. Your life's gonna end up in a sad place. He knows that. Um, by the way, there's Ten Commandments, four are about you and God, six are about you and people. That's how much God cares about relationships. But listen to this: the Ten Commandments were not given to Israel until God had delivered them from Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea and had the miracle of the Red Sea parting. What was God doing? God was trying to rebuild trust before he gave them the to-do list and the, the don't list, right? He was trying to build a trust in them. And that's still what God's doing today. Why did God give us Jesus Christ? Well, of course, to be our Savior, Absolutely. But I think there's a, a, a larger theme than just our redemption, as wonderful as that is. And Kelsey talked about the love of God today. That's, that's, that's why, why Jesus came. I got it. But there's another, another overarching thing that we could say, Lord, based on what you did for us through Jesus, we can trust you. We can trust you with our salvation. We can trust you with life and life more abundant today. We can trust you with the day that we take our last breath and our heart beats its last beat, that we will go see you and be with you. John 14one do don't let your hearts be troubled. I might leave you today, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare that place, I'll come take you there again. And this is pretty good stuff, that we can actually trust God for our eternity, which is a very long time, last time I checked. So. Trust moves us to obedience, and obedience is the result, number one, I know you're just dying to fill in your outlines, of listening to Jesus. Just listen to him. People know what Christianity is, they say they have it mastered, but until you listen to him and apply what he says, you'll miss it. See, Jesus taught to application, not simply to knowledge. Jesus doesn't want people to go around with cans of truth. He wants people to application, to open the lid, to to get the truth in their lives, to their relationships. Uh, You read the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus (laughs) is amazing as he's teaching the application. Uh, You read uh, the book of John where Jesus, in the last words, uh, the last chapters, um, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, he's telling people, I want you to understand what I what I want you to do. And he says in John 13, 17, you know these things and God will bless you if you what? If you do them. Uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount is all about application in Matthew 7, verse 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a... A wise man built his house on the rock. Um, You know the story, right? One guy builds his house on the sand, another guy builds his house on the rock. Building your house on the rock, number two, is when you simply do what Jesus says. Somebody told me long ago, you know, this Bible is really hard to understand all of it, and there's stuff in the last book about creepy, cally things, and an abyss, and, and a white horse, and locusts that look like helicopters, and it's just, and you go, what do I do do with my life? I said, how about you just do what Jesus said? Could you imagine if we just simply lived out, and again, I'm a read the whole Bible, study the whole Bible, be the whole Bible kind of guy, but if that's like beyond you, and so you close the whole book, how about we just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and whenever Jesus talked, whenever Jesus Taught to application, we just applied what he said. Like, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor, yourself. What if we just did that? What do our lives look like? Just think about it. Do what Jesus says. The pain makes no difference until it's applied. The truth makes no difference until it's believed and applied in your life. It is your direction, I've said this a lot, not your intention that determines your destination. Well, I, I intend to. I intend to get up and read my Bible. I intend to do my devotions. I, I intend to get a Bible bookmark from the guest services room and, and read the same scriptures that many in our church. Are. I, I intend to get in a small group. I, 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 I you know. I intend to lose hundred pounds. You know, lost fifteen. I mean, at least it's something. I intend. I intend to be nice to my wife. I intend not to the, kick the cat. I don't have a cat, so I intend. But it's not your intention. It's your direction that determines your destination. Uh, James 2.18 says, but someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Have faith. See, my prayer is that, that, that I don't want to just build a church where people, you know, like what we do, or come to Easter and have the more than, more than continental buffet, you know, or have great kids programs and all that stuff. If we're not living out the Word of God, then then, then, then we're kind of missing the mark. And I hope you're coming. If you're searching or you're watching online and you're just checking out, you know, LFC and seeing if we're cool or not. I mean, the pastor's a drummer, so that's pretty cool, but we're trying... To, sorry. But we're trying to... We're, 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 you know, if we, if we know what we're talking about... Here, here. let me tell you what we know we're talking about. You can't get to God without Jesus. You can't get to Jesus without faith. Right? He's the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. And you can't follow Jesus without doing what He said. You can't. Follow me and I will change your life. I'll make you a fisher of many, he tells fishers of fish. He will radically change you. So the rain came down, the streams rose, and, and, the, and the Matthew 7.25, and the winds blew and beat against that house. We've had some winds, haven't we? We've had some water come down, haven't we? Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Um, I have a friend in town who's a roofer, And here's what he said. Um, The rain's been very, very good for my budget. Um, After the first big deluge, he said he had 140 phone calls the next day. We should have all gone in the roofing business. And here's what he said. Interesting point. The people that were screaming and yelling the most, come fix my roof now, were the people that knew they had deferred maintenance on the roof and did nothing about it. They had vents that protruded through their roof. And they had old Henry's or old tar or old rainbuster. They, they hadn't resealed things. Or some people had some shingles. And, well, they just blow a little bit in the wind. But once the wind started getting over 40 miles an hour, come on. Shee, hello. Like a bad toupee. Come on. And he, said, and, he, and, and he said, the worst situations I had were people that knew about their problems but hadn't dealt with them. And some of their houses had, right in the middle of their living room, drywall soup. If you've ever had a flood, uh, the drywall gets wet and eventually it lets go. And it's a pool of diatomaceous earth sitting right there in the middle of your house, and it's wet, and it's, it's yuck. It's really not good for carpet or hardwood floors. And the rain came down, Matthew 7, Jesus tells a story. And the house that was built on the rock was solid. What's he saying here? He's saying that you can believe and still be a fool and build your house on the sand and defer your problems and defer your spiritual maintenance, or you could stop and say, I want to apply the word to my life. You must express faith in God's faithfulness by living out the lessons of Jesus. So the other guy, the other guy who builds his house on the sand, um, we're going to call him uh, Shortcuts. That's his name, Shortcuts, or Shorty Cuts. And, and he's on the edge of the beach, man. He's created a, a nirvana of sorts, a margaritaville, if you would, if you're old enough to know what I'm talking about. And he's got the fake grass. He's got the tiki torches. He's got the fire pit. He's got the hammock. And he has his little bamboo poles. He's made his house. It's on the sand. And it looks pretty cool. He's got a pole in the water in case some big old fish gets on the end. It'll, it'll let him know. He's got a bell. Bing, bing, bing. Hey, there's a fish. He's just kicking back, relaxing. And my dad taught me when I was in the third grade, I never forgot this phrase. You can pay now and play later, or you can play now and pay later. And so he's wanting to play. Just up, just up the hill is, is a guy building his house on a rock. They've got these big rocks, and they're putting these giant screw anchors into the rock. And he's up there working hard, and the dude in Margaritaville is saying, you're a fool, man. Why don't you shortcut like me? I'm, I'm shorty cut, man. Everything's, we just, we cheat, we lie, we steal, we're unfaithful. It doesn't matter. You only live once, man. You only go, you know, remember the old Michelob commercial, Go for the Gusto? You only live once, you know? He's down there trying to be the world's most interesting man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and the storm comes. And the storm falls on the just and the unjust. It falls on the sand and on the rock. And this guy in the rock with his family are all secure. All secure. No leaks. No drywall soup, no lost house. By the way, the guy on the beach, the waves came, the storm came, and there goes his fake grass and his tiki torches and his margaritaville and there goes him. You know how many people when Noah's Ark and the waters rose were banging on the side of the boat trying to get in? Just don't even think about it. It's horrible. And God says, I just looked for somebody on this great big planet that was trying to live to application, not just to knowledge. Somebody that I could call upon to build a boat in the middle of the desert when it had never rained before. And I found this one guy and his family was spared. See, I'll just tell you this. i just be real blunt. You know, I've only been a pastor 38 and a half years. There's not a whole lot I know, but I know some stuff. When people take shortcuts, they always do so in disobedience to God because they don't trust God because they believe they know more than God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And life works best when we say, God, I want to do it your way. And it's not about being religious. It's about having a relationship with God that says, you know what? I want to obey you because obeying you is better than everything else. When Jesus was attacked by the devil... And tempted by the devil, Matthew 4.4 records, he answered the devil that we don't live by bread alone, but every what? Word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus even says, I'm not taking any shortcuts. I refuse to take any shortcuts. Matthew 7.26 goes on to say, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. In other words, everyone can hear my words, they can go out and buy the paint. They can even get the swatches. It's called Sunday school. Sunday school, kids' church. Little Bible books and little videos. But if we don't take it and apply it to our lives, then, then, then we're not building our house upon the rock. You know what I know too? Number three, storms will come. Because life is like that. People we love will, will, will die. And, and people that we are friends with will leave us. And, you know, great relationships we make with people in the military, they will be asked to go elsewhere. I've been here 30 and a half years. I've seen a lot come and go, and storms will come. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And I want to tell you this, I've also been there to pick up the pieces when people's lives fall with a great big crash, all because they wouldn't trust God, all because They decided that their way was better. Jesus never promised that if we obey him, we would never experience storms. He promised that we would not crash. Think about this. We have people in our church going through some stuff right now. You know what I know? That even in the middle of the stuff that they're going through, because Jesus never promised us a rose garden, a primrose lane in Jesus' name, that when you get saved, everything's going to be fine. That's the TV preacher. That's not me. I'm a a realist. You give your life to Christ. That's usually when your problems start because now you're trying to serve God, not just yourself. I'm serious. And when you try to follow after him, but here's what Jesus promises us. If you build your house on me, the storms will come, but your life won't crash. Everybody else may, 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 may be crashing. Everybody else may be washed to sea, but you will not. When you do what God asks you to do, it's an expression of confidence and faith in God. Number four, the Bible will disturb you. I just thought I would tell you that. We go to read the Bible, and it ends up reading us. We come with our preconceived notions and ideas and justifications, and then we read this book. And somebody said to me recently, well, the Bible doesn't have all the answers for today's stuff. It's written so long ago. Just do the stuff you know to do. Well, but I'm lonely, so I had her move in with me, and now we're together. And if I told you how many times I've heard that story. Hmm. What's the Bible say about shacking up, Pastor B? Got anything in there about that? Sure. <laughs> See me after church. <laughs> hmm. Well, it's only a white lie. It's only a... No. When your faithfulness intersects with God's faithfulness, then, then, then things, things come alive for us. Um, there's a lot more to say and a lot more fill-ins. Don't worry about them. Um, just don't worry about them. We'll put them online or something. Hey, I just want you to know, because I want to respect your time and our children's ministries and all that stuff. I got 65 seconds left. So how, how are you doing when it comes to obedience? Homework assignment. Read 1 Thessalonians. You can fill in the blanks. Once you read, you'll get it. How are you doing when it comes to obedience? I'm just just going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you. People that I know, including myself, that have said, Lord, I want what you want rather than what I want, have never lost. They never had regrets later on. I can't believe it. I followed the Lord I can't believe we're raising our kids the way God wants us to raise them. We have regrets. You will never have regrets if you raise your kids God's way. Never. You will never have regrets if you treat your spouse the way that God tells us in the Bible to treat our spouses. Never. You'll never have regrets if you allow the Holy Spirit to help produce the fruits of the Spirit in your life. I mean, you'll never have regrets. You'll have regrets if you don't. So when do you start? You start today. You just say, Lord, today's my day. I give you my heart. I give you my life. And and today's my day that that I want to obey you and follow after you. Um, So you want to obey him? It's up to you. You want to take all the things that you're facing right now and say, Lord, I want to bring them under your lordship. I I want you to disturb me because I want to honor you with my life. I, I, I want it to go well with me, but even more than that, I want to honor you with my life. I want to live in such a way that people say God's inside of them, that they are being shaped by, by the Word, that they're applying the Word to their life. Please, don't end up with a bunch of swatches, a bunch of Bibles and Bible apps but 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 live in such a way that you apply everything that God wants you to be and have and know and do in his room. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.